Let me open us with a word of prayer. We'll divide up into our groups, and then we'll come back for our teaching time. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the ability we have week after week to gather together with your people here at Lakeside. Lord, it is a privilege to be a part of your family. It's a privilege to be saved at all, and it's certainly a blessing from you that we have brothers and sisters in Christ. You don't save us and stick us on an island by ourselves, Lord, but you call us into fellowship in your family, which is the church. So I pray today, Lord, that we would receive from our time together everything that you have for us. For those who need encouragement, I pray that they would be encouraged. For those who need conviction, I pray there'd be conviction. And for those, Lord, who are weary, I pray that today would give them strength. I thank you, Lord, for all of the faithful teachers that you've raised up at Lakeside. And I thank you uh, for my brother John being willing to step in with a little notice this week. I pray for him to be empowered by your spirit and be able to bring forth the word boldly. And I pray that we would have ears to hear. And Lord, I do pray for our main worship service, both this morning and tonight. As I'm preaching this morning, Joel is preaching tonight. Lord, I pray that you would help us to be able to bring words from you that would bless your people. We ask all these things, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as Joe mentioned earlier, he let me know during the week. I told him I try to have something ready all the time because I know, you know, things come up and I know he had a lot on his plate this week. But it's always a privilege to open God's Word with you. And the message that God has led me to is in the Old Testament, and I've shared this before. I love to do studies in the Old Testament. I love the New Testament as well, don't get me wrong, but I think sometimes we we forget about all the lessons, the characters of the Old Testament that God has used because they were willing to be used of God. They were willing to serve. And we're going to look at one here in just a few moments. The title of this message is God's Protection. And I think protecting our Children, grandchildren, we all take very seriously. If Carly or Lucas, one of our grandchildren, starts to run across Sunset Point, believe me, I'm going to grab them before they get there because I don't want them to get hit by a car. We try to protect our children and grandchildren from physical harm so they don't touch a hot stove and get burned. Or mentally protect them from the mind traps of video games. They've done so many studies on video games, how kids start to think that's reality and they go do things based on not being able to separate reality from what those video games teach. We try to protect them spiritually from false teachings that say homosexuality, living together before marriage are okay, even though the Bible says otherwise. We try to protect them, and here's an area, a big area, from the pitfalls of the Internet. Twitter, Snapchat, I don't know what they're all called, but there's a bunch of them out there. And a lot of them trap kids and they get them into dangerous situations because they think innocently that it's okay. So as parents and grandparents, we try to live out Proverbs 22:6, which says, Train up a child in the way that he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. We need to give our children and our grandchildren a foundation, and that foundation is where? It's based on God's Word, and it's based on that personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior. 
God promised to protect Joshua in Joshua 1.5. God said, No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. We claim that promise as well. When we have the different encounters go on every day in our lives, everyone here, every one of us has different contacts throughout the day with different people. But the number one thing, and this is shared, and I think it's number one on my heart every day, is allowing God to make those divine appointments where we can share the news with Him. And the great news of the Gospel is Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes under the Father but through Him. So there aren't many ways. There's one way. And if we are living that, and if we are sharing that, God will use us. But God has to always be number one in our lives every day. In the area of protection, we have the promise of Isaiah 41.10. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. How many times do we need that every day? Jesus shares in John 10, My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me and I give them eternal life. They shall never perish, neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. So we have all these promises of protection. Fanny Crosby, we all know about the great hymns that she has written and the words that we share. She has one called Safe in the Arms of Jesus. Safe in the arms of Jesus, safe on His gentle breast, thereby His love o'ershadowed, sweetly my soul doth rest. Hark, tis a song of heaven, born in the sweetest voice, echoed by saints in spirit, making my heart rejoice. We need to know the Lord has a hold of us. I look at it this way, we almost need to go to the Lord and say, I need a hug from you. Maybe it's through another believer, maybe it's through a scripture, maybe it's through claiming a promise, maybe it's saying, Lord, I can't do it, and the Lord says, good, now let me do it. And then that's the answer we need. Well, this morning we're going to focus on a passage, a short few verses that helps us understand how God protects us 24-7. Something we need to know as we journey through the hostile world around us, and it's getting more hostile. So join me in 2 Kings chapter 6. 2 Kings chapter 6. It's more toward the front of the Bible. I know we don't get into 2 Kings very often, but there's an important lesson here for us this morning, some important instructions, some encouragement for us. And here we see three steps to understanding how God protects us. 2 Kings chapter 6, beginning of verse 13. But before we look at our text, we need to understand the context, that what is going on in this chapter. So we need to look at verses 8 to 12 first for background. And we see the situation. 2 Kings chapter 6, beginning at verse 8, so we can understand our text today. Now the king of Syria was warring against Israel. There's a war going on. And he counseled with his servants, saying, In such and such a place shall be my camp. And the man of God sent word to the king of Israel, saying, Beware that you do not pass this place, for the Syrians are coming down there. 
And the king of Israel sent to the place about to which the man of God had told him. Thus he warned him, so that he guarded himself there more than once or twice. Now the heart of the king of Syria was enraged over this thing, and he called his servants and said to them, Will you tell me which one of us is for the king of Israel? And one of the servants said, No, my lord, O king, but Elisha, the prophet who is in Israel, tells the king of Israel the words that you speak in your bedroom. So we see quite a situation going on there. The Syrian king, Ben-Hadad, is making war with the nation of Israel. And he runs into some challenges as he prepares, where am I going to attack Israel? And he believes someone might be leaking those Syrian war plans. And the king thinks it could be somebody on his command staff. He doesn't know. Believes there's maybe a traitor among them. And that's a pretty serious situation. Having served in the army, I know there's a chain of command. And if the commander thinks somebody that is below him is leaking out plans and the enemy's waiting for him every time because those plans are being leaked out, it can have some pretty serious consequences. And that's what's going on here. But a member of the Syrian command staff claims it's his prophet Elisha of Israel. He's the leak, not one of us. So Elisha is accused of giving inside information to King Jehoram, who's the king of Israel at that time. Elisha, the prophet's mission in life, was appointed by God to relay God's message to the people. Sometimes good, sometimes not so good. It's the same mission Jeremiah had before King Zedekiah. Remember Jeremiah? The king said, I want some good news from you. And Jeremiah shared what God had said. There's going to be judgment. He said, okay, you go back down in that pit. You go down to that dried out well and you'll have mud up to your waist and you sit down there a while. So he reeled him up a little later said, have you changed your message? He said, I can only share what God has told me to share. Shared the same thing, went down into the well again. But all through that, Jeremiah was fulfilling the hard job of being a prophet. Remember, Jonah reluctantly went to the Ninevites. Remember the Ninevites? God said, you have this amount of time to repent or I'm going to bring judgment. And Jonah hollered that judgment's coming and I don't know if he had a smile on his face because he didn't like them. He said, judgment's coming and the Ninevites had the nerve to repent. (laughs) So they weren't judged and that made Jonah mad. But he still did what he was called to do as a prophet. Amos and Amos 1, as he introduced God's upcoming judgments, he shared with them, even though that was hard to do, he did what God had called him to do. Or the prophet Daniel, as he shared a glimpse of the great tribulation. It's difficult to have the job of being a prophet. But yet, here we will see that that is what Elisha is doing as a prophet. God was telling him where the enemy would be, and he was sharing that with the king. Why? So that they would be prepared when that enemy came. Elisha was a powerful prophet of God. few of his miracles included back in 2 Kings 2, we won't look at it, but in 23 and 24, there were some juvenile delinquents, I will call them, coming out, and they were calling him Baldy. Bald head, very condescending to him. And 
Bears came out of the woods and devoured them. So they learned pretty quick that what Elisha, how he was being used of God, even not to be mocked, not to be made fun of, because he represented God's message. He also, in chapter 4, verses 38 to 40, the deadly stew, they were eating stew and they were getting poisoned. And Elisha, through God's miracle there, made this stew edible. And you say, well, that's not a big deal. Well, if everybody's getting food poisoning, I don't know, anybody else had food poisoning? That can be very, very powerful. I mean, it knocks you down. You feel like you can't even move when you get it bad. I won't go into details, but uh, <clears throat> our whole family, except one who didn't eat the same thing, got food poisoning, and we didn't really move much, did we, hon, for about a day or two. But that can be very bad. So that is a miracle there. Uh, Elisha, the healing of uh, General Naaman in chapter 5. Remember, he sent the message down, General, go into that dirty Jordan River and duck down seven times and you'll be healed and the leprosy will be gone. And he did that and God healed him. And then another one in chapter 6, verses 4 to 7, the floating axe head. They couldn't find the axe head. And Elisha prayed and it came to the top. Now normally an axe head doesn't do that, does it? So those were some of the things that Elisha had done with God's power as a prophet. But now we come to the scene we're going to look at this morning, verses 13 to 17, and the three steps to understanding how God protects us. The first step is shared there in verses 13 to 15, and that is a dire situation appears. Here's what it says. So he said, Go and see, this is the king, and see where he is, that I may send and take him. And it was told him, Behold, he is in Dothan. And he sent horses and chariots and a great army there. They came by night and surrounded the city. Now when the attendant of the man of God had risen early and gone out, behold, an army with horses and chariots was circling the city. And his servant said to him, Alas, my master, what shall we do? Anybody else ever been in a dire situation? You know what I'm talking about? Kind of looks hopeless. Kind of looks like, where do I turn? What do I do? I don't know what to do. Well, that's what's going on over here. Could be in our own lives, some sort of diagnosis from seeing a doctor. One of our children going through deep waters or losing a job or whatever it might be. We sometimes have these dire situations appear. But I know there's encouragement from God's Word, and I know sometimes from the singing that we even do here in our church, the words can be an encouragement, and we need that when we see a dire situation. Here's just a few of the words from Matthew West, who wrote a song called Grace Wins, and I think it reminds us, In my weakest moment I see you shaking your head in disgrace. I can read the disappointment written all over your face. Here comes those whispers in my ear saying, Who do you think you are? Looks like you're on your own from here because grace could never reach that far. But in the shadow of that shame, beat down by all the blame, I hear you call my name saying it's not over and my heart starts to beat so loud now, drowning out the doubt. I'm down, but I'm not out. There's a war between guilt and grace and they're fighting for a sacred space. 
but I'm living proof grace wins every time. I think we underestimate God's grace at times. There's nothing impossible for God. There's no situation that we face that God will not see us through because He has promised never to leave us nor forsake us. King Ben-Hadad of Syria uh, sends out scouts, we just read, to find Elisha to either take him out or maybe to have him join his staff, whatever. He didn't want him around there constantly telling telling his king what his plans were. So the king was very troubled about all this. He wanted uh, that prophet gone. Similar to what happened, uh, remember last week when we studied in Daniel 3, remember those who were jealous of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they wanted them out because they took their positions, the nerve, and they weren't even natives there of Babylon. But God rescued them because God was with those three men, even in the fire. Well, these scouts, these spies, report back that Elisha's in the city of Dothan. Dothan was the same city spoken of in Genesis 37-14, where Joseph was to be murdered, but his brothers sold him into slavery instead. It was a city ten miles north of Samaria in hill country. I don't have a map here, so I'm, I can't show you what ten miles above Samaria is, but it was a key mountain pass that connected Damascus and Egypt. So it was a very important city. So overnight, the Syrian army surrounds the city of Dothan with soldiers, chariots, and horses. Likely thousands of troops from history of that time were assembled to either get rid of Elisha or to make sure that he didn't tell any more of their king, the king of Syria's, plans as they were at war with Israel. Elisha's servant, assistant, remember used to be Gehazi? Remember what happened to him in chapter 5? Remember he said, I'm going to get some of that reward from General Naaman. And so he went and he hid that. He ended up covered with leprosy. And so now the new assistant, the replacement for Gehazi, uh, he gets up early. And I don't know about you, how many get up here before 3 in the morning? Before 6? Okay, quite a few there on that. I don't know how early it was, but this uh, assistant, he got up and he looked around. He looked on the wall there and he looked out there and, wow, he saw this whole Syrian army had gathered overnight. And they knew, I'm sure they had word, you know, this king, Ben-Hadad, he's, he's looking for Elisha. And, of course, the assistant was right there with him. But he sees all of the army, the physical army of Syria out there. And he looks a little bit shaken up, is the word. He's shaken up. Anybody else ever been shaken up in life? (laughs) Maybe from a head-on car accident. Maybe having someone close, someone that you knew, an acquaintance commit suicide, having a friend arrested and sent to jail. We've all experienced things that have really shook us up. But when those things shake us up, we need to remember that's horizontal that it's shaken us up. And our eyes need to be where, Brother Doug? Our eyes are on, the, on Jesus all the time. We need to look up at Him. Whether it's going to God's Word and looking at a promise that God brings to mind to help us through that, whether it's to share with someone a verse that 
means a lot to us because we know it's true. And we can tell when somebody genuinely is concerned about us or they just say, well, you'll get through it. Have a good day. I'll pray for you sometime. That doesn't mean much, does it? But when we come alongside our brothers or sisters, they come alongside us and say, this scripture has meant a lot to me. It's helped me to see there's light at the end of the tunnel and I pray it encourages you. That means a lot. And that helps us to to care about one another, to show God's love toward each other. So he shook up. He's wondering what in the world's going on. Panic is hit as he sees this great army out there. One inmate encourages us, and I just saw this this last week as I was uh, looking uh, for something here to kind of encourage us. This was written by Richard Woodham. He's serving a 10-year sentence in Harvest, Alabama at a limestone correctional facility. And here's what he shares. When God, God makes things all right. When your nights are filled with uncertainty, you yearn for the dawning of light. If the sun doesn't seem to shine brightly, that's when God will make things all right. Sometimes the rain comes too often with the clouds so dark and gray, and your heart longs for a rainbow to melt all your sorrow away. When you feel all alone in your sadness and it seems there's no one who cares, please know in your heart that God loves you, and for you He'll always be there. When your world is turned topsy-turvy and you're weary of your daily fight, all may appear to be hopeless, that's when God will make things all right. I find that encouraging. I find that encouraging too that despite what this brother here is seeing horizontally, he's looking up and he's seeing Jesus through all of this. Elisha tells his assistant, Things will be all right. Because the second step to understanding how God protects us is that our faith is tested. Verse 16. So he answered, Elisha answered his assistant, Do not fear, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Not a long sentence, not a big explanation, because you know Elisha's faith was were. I know God's army's here, and it's greater than this one that's standing before my assistant. But he wanted to use this opportunity to test his assistant's faith. You don't see what I'm seeing. You don't know what I know. You're getting there, but you don't quite have the faith that I know God will see us through, and He is with us right now. So he tells his assistant, don't fear. Don't fear from apprehension of danger. Don't look at this physically. Look at it through God's eyes. Bottom line, don't let circumstances overwhelm us. And that is something that can happen. As soon as we think things are going too smooth, you ever have that wondering what's around that corner? It's kind of going way too smooth right now. But God knows what's around the corner. James 1, 2-4, trials have a purpose. We count it all joy, not because we enjoy the personal circumstances, but because we know God is with us there and He's going to teach us something. That's how we look at it as joy. Elisha knows God is greater than the army any man could put together, even this great Syrian army that his assistant was seeing. 
Elisha remembers what Moses said to the nation of Israel in Exodus 14. Let's look back at Exodus 14 and let's look at that second book of the Bible. Exodus 14 and that encouragement there. Exodus 14 verses 13 and 14. Moses said to the people, Do not fear. Stand by and see the salvation of the Lord, which He will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you have seen today, you will never see them again forever. The Lord will fight for you while you keep silent. What an encouragement. The Lord will fight for you. You're not alone. And Elisha is not alone. And he doesn't want his assistant to think they're alone facing this great Syrian army that God is with them. And we sometimes need to be reminded of that as well. Hezekiah's uh, words of encouragement before battle in 2 Chronicles 32.7 says, Be strong and courageous. Do not fear nor dismayed before the king of Assyria, nor before all the multitude that is with him, for there are more with us than with him. God is greater. Sometimes I think we underestimate who our God is. He created the universe. He created everything that we enjoy, everything that we see, all of creation. God hears our prayers, and that's an encouragement I heard even in our small prayer group this morning. God hears every prayer we cry out. He already knows in our hearts what our needs are, but He wants us to look to Him because He has the answer waiting. And one thing that I try to practice and I shared while I was still helping with that service at the jail, Pinellas County Jail is, We need to thank God before the answer comes because that's really faith. That's saying, God, I already know you have the answer. I'm going to thank you ahead of time. I may not always understand the answer because maybe it doesn't fit on my list of here's how it's supposed to go, but it's right on your list. And if it's right on God's list, it'll be right for us. And that's why we can claim Romans 8.28. For we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them that are called according to His purpose. Not some, not 90%, not 95%, but everyone. Because God has a plan for us. He has a plan for us every day. And we, as we get into God's Word, as we apply God's Word, as we share the Gospel with a world that needs Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, we see that our faith will grow. Because our faith has to be alone in Jesus. Faith is where we're reminded in this inmate's encouragement that he wrote. This is Sheila, actually a female, Vandergriff. She's in Wetumpka, Alabama. I think I said it right. The Tutwiler Prison for Women. She wrote this morning. This is the title. This morning I awoke and got on my knees. To the Lord I was praying, and I did it with ease. Although my body is confined in a place with windows and bars, I can call on the Lord's name, and my spirit travels afar. I place my hand in His, and I instantly see the stars. The walls are removed, and there are no more bars. My sadness disappears on my head. I wear a crown, the love of my life, the Savior of my soul. His name is Jesus. 
To Him I owe it all. He loves me regardless of my blunders and falls. So when I awake on my knees, it will be praying to the One who daily sets me free. I don't know about you, but I can tell she wrote from her heart. And I pray she's a sister in Christ because from what she wrote there, I see that indication. So focus on Jesus every day. Faith in God means we take Him at His Word. When God says it, we believe it. That settles it. Because God can't lie. When we depend on Him, God doesn't say, well, I'm not going to hear you this time. There's no busy signals when we pray to God. There's no answering machine. He hears every cry for help. And He never turns us away. Faith in God, again, means we take Him at His Word. Look with me at Matthew 7. There's a passage there that's an encouragement as well. Matthew 7:24, And I pray it's an encouragement to you as well. Matthew 7, verse 24. And we all know this because there's a song about it, but I think it's encouragement here. Therefore, everyone who hears the words of mine and acts upon them be compared to a wise man who built his house upon the rock. And the rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew and burst against that house, and yet it did not fall, for it had been founded upon the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act upon them will be like a foolish man who built his house upon the sand, and the rain descended, And the floods came and the winds blew and burst against the house and it fell and great was its fall. So where do we need to build? On the rock. The rock who is Jesus Christ. Every day, you need to get up in the morning and say, God, thanks for waking me up. I know I have a purpose today and that purpose is to serve you. And then say, God... What do you want to teach me today? I already heard it from several this morning and I'm reminded of it. (laughs) Patience is the hardest one to learn. Because patience means we wait for God's timing. Is God's timing in accordance to what we think it ought to be? Usually not. Very seldom. But in the meantime, when we're waiting on the Lord, when we're learning patience, our trust, our faith begins to grow stronger. Because the next time a trial or a challenge comes in life, we look to the Lord first instead of waiting a while. And I know if we were honest with each other, and I've done it myself, sometimes we say, well, Lord, let me try it here for a little bit, and then if I can't do it, then I'll turn it over to you. The Lord says, give it to me at the beginning. Because in the meantime, we have that temptation to worry. And I know nobody worries here, right? We say we're anxious, we're concerned. But when worry starts taking over our mind or focus, our lives, and it pushes God to the side, God says, no, be anxious for what? For nothing. But in everything by prayer. Why do we need prayer? Because we need to turn it over to Him. We need to say, I'm going to quit trying my own effort and Lord, use me, give me the power to use me as a witness for you that you are greater than anything that we could ever face in life. 
The third step to understanding how God protects us is knowing God's army of protection is always with us. Whether we see it or not. Look with me at verse 17. And I love how Elisha's taking his time with his assistant. He's not rushing the situation. He's not saying, hey, we better go get in a hidden tunnel or we better run over to this cave or go do this or that. He says in verse 17, he wants his assistant to have the strong faith Elisha was showing here. Elisha prayed and he said, O Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he saw and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. He said, new assistant that I'm breaking in here and now we have this army of Syria out here ready to do us in, to kill us. Lord, please let him see what by my faith, Elisha's faith had that God was with him. Let him see you're here. And so that assistant, he might have been looking around, he might have been saying, where's that that tunnel we, we have over here? Maybe we better go hide there. He's looking for maybe a way out. He looks back up and he sees God's army is there. And it's by far mightier than the Syrian army. I don't know if you can envision it, but if you were that assistant and you looked up and you saw God's army there, I think I would be very overwhelmed to actually see this is God's protection We pray often in our prayers, God, protect us, protect our families, because we need that protection. But God has that there. Whether it's an army of angels, however God uses it, He protects us. Because He's the one that is behind all of the items that we cry out to and ask for His protection. He sends His army every day, 24-7. We are in a a desperate need of God's protection. I know here at Lakeside, we're in a spiritual battle every day. Because when we go to God's Word and we study it and we ask God to apply it and we, with His power, ask to live it, we're not going to get pats on the back from the world around us. Because our treasures here are not laid up here on earth, but they're to be laid up where? And that's in heaven. And that's by living a life so that others see a glimpse of Jesus so that if nothing else, that they will say, there must be something real. It's not just a religion. It's not just a list of rules. That isn't what it is, but it's about a relationship with Jesus Christ every day. We can help others through it. And one thing that we always did, Doug will attest to this in that service, we always had inmates share in Pinellas County Jail how God had answered prayer. Why do you need to know that? Because that gives us a hope that our hope needs to be in God in every situation. Uh, I just heard word, uh, Eric, I know you've all been uh, praying for him. Doug had told me a few minutes ago before we started uh, in our study today, he got two years and so he'll be leaving to prison soon. But he was joyful because he knew that's what God had for him. He had like 
what was it, almost 200 days in jail. That will count toward the two years, which will lessen it some. But continue to pray for Eric. He struggles every day, as many of those inmates at the jail do, to walk with the Lord, even though they're incarcerated. God still loves them. He hasn't thrown in the towel on them. They need our prayers. They need to know somebody cares. That they have brothers and sisters in Christ, even here at Lakeside, that are upholding them in prayer. We're told, too, that we're going to suffer becoming more like Jesus. Philippians 3, we won't turn to it. 8 through 11, Paul shares suffering's part of our walk with the Lord. But in this suffering, the Lord is with us. And He is teaching us something. And sometimes we miss that because we get focused on the circumstances instead of focusing on Jesus. What are you teaching me here? (laughs) And as we already talked about earlier, patience is that hard one to learn. Because we don't like to wait. Why is that? I've asked myself, why, why don't I like to wait? And then I drive by and I see Burger King and I see McDonald's and the drive through and they're all lined up. Sometimes even Chick-fil-A. It's clear around the building. People lined up. What? They want it quick. And go through that, that drive through Then you don't have to wait in that line inside. So want it quick. We don't want to wait. <laughs> That's the world, though, saying, be in a hurry. God says, no, take time to learn, to grow. Because God is with us. We need God's protection. Brothers and sisters, we're in a spiritual battle. We'd all agree. We need every piece of armor described in Ephesians 6. Some days we need more than ever. We need our brothers and sisters to help us to pray that we keep that shield of faith up. That's God's protection. That we have the sword of the Spirit in our right hand, which is the Word of God. That means we go to the promises that are there and we say, God, I I claim this. I need this. I can't make it without Your truth. And God says it's here. Use it. I will work through you. And then others see that Jesus is real because they see a little bit of Jesus in all of us. Just a glimpse. As God's children, He protects us like He protected Elisha here. How He turned and prayed and He said, Let my assistant see Your army, Lord. It's here. It's with every one of us here this morning. Do we believe God and practice what God's Word says greater is he that is in us than he that's in the world. When we feel like the enemy has surrounded us, like the Syrian army that surrounded Elisha, is our faith strong like the prophet? Or is it kind of in a panic like his assistant? It depends on who are we relying on for our protection. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for the reminder in the life of Elisha, patient with his assistant there as you are patient with us, Lord. To know with all assurance this morning, I pray that everyone here will know, Lord, you're protecting us. You have your hedge of protection around us. You see us in every situation and you want us to turn to you right away, immediately. Give it to you instead of struggle on our own. 
Lord, help us to do that more. Help us to grow in our faith. That whether we see that army of protection around us, we know it's there because You said it's there. We claim Your truth from Your Word. Help us to apply it and live it. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.